Happy Father's Day, by the way, to, to the Father. You won't get a Father's Day sermon this morning. You got that last week, right? Uh, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 14, and uh, we'll get into part of chapter 15. Studying the life of David, Joab, who is David's trusted general, has succeeded in bringing Absalom, David's son, back to Jerusalem. David has brought Absalom back, but he has not completed the reconciliation, for he's had no personal contact with Absalom. Absalom feels justified in killing his brother Amnon, for raping of Tamar, his sister, and he doesn't understand that he's being shunned by David. Absalom is very aware of his charm, his good looks, and David, I think, is probably sensitive to Absalom because of David's past. David has had past dealings with Saul, who was very tall, head and shoulders above the rest of uh, the men of Israel. And David is, I think, a little bit leery of Absalom and his charm. David understands how people are drawn to handsome, charming, charismatic leaders. And Absalom is David's third son. So let's read 2 Samuel 14, 25 through 33. Now in all of Israel there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut his hair of his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. And when he cut it, it weighed his hair, that is, 200 shekels according to the king's standard. To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent to Joab, uh, to, to him, to the king, bring, who sent him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent him again the second time, he would not come. So he said to the servants, See, Joab's field is near mine. And he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I have sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would have been better for me to be 
uh, there still. Now therefore, let me see the king's face. But if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. So Joab went to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and then the king kissed Absalom. This is a section that begins with, in all of Israel, there was uh, no one praised for their good looks like Absalom. There is a great danger in following beautiful people, be it man or be it woman. Hollywood happens to produce some of the most beautiful people, but unfortunately most of them are wackos. And many people have learned from an early age, the beautiful people that is, to depend upon their charm and their good looks for their success. Verse 25 tells us, Absalom had no blemishes. And when Absalom cut his hair once a year, the weight of the hair, 200 shekels, was five and a half pounds of hair. Who in the world weighs their hair anyway? But anyway, that's a lot of hair. Have you noticed that for whatever reason, some strange reason, bald men do not get elected president in the United States? I've noticed that. Gerald Ford was our last president who was bald and he was appointed. He wasn't elected. Bald men, we don't look good on TV. But in the Calvary Chapel circles, <laughs> being bald like Chuck Smith has its benefits. It doesn't hurt you to be bald in the Calvary circles. But Absalom, his long, thick hair will cost him his life. And we'll get into the details of that in later chapters. But Absalom, he memorialized his sister Tamar by naming a daughter after her. But he's back in Jerusalem, and he's been back for two full years. And he's being ignored by his father, the king. David will not go to see Absalom and will not allow Absalom to come see him. So Absalom sends for Joab and he sends for him twice times. Go to David. He says, I want to see my father. I want to be reconciled to my father. But Joab, he won't come. And Absalom being ignored causes him to burn the barley field of Joab. And this tactic works. It gets Joab's attention. Joab comes to him and he says, Why have you burned my field? And Absalom knows that Joab has the king's ear, and he tells Joab, Ask the king 
why I have come from Geshur, which is in Syria. Why did you bring me back if you're going to ignore me? And then we have Absalom, and he acts like there's no guilt in him. He's innocent of the murder of his brother Amnon. Now, we know he had cause for the murder, but he, Absalom says, hey, if I've done anything wrong, if there's iniquity in me, let the king execute me. And Absalom, his plan, it works. The king calls for Absalom, and he bows down before the king. And then David reconciles and kisses his son. He welcomes his son. But we have Absalom, and he's ambitious. And the reconciliation with the king is only his starting point. And then we come to chapter 15. And when Absalom, he's putting into practice a plan, a conspiracy against his father, the king. So let's read 2 Samuel 15, 1 through 6. And after this it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses, 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. So it was whenever anyone had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, and there's no deputy to the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made a judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me when I would give him, and I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came to bow down to him, that he would put his hand out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted towards all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom, he begins his revolt against his dad, the king, and he does it with pomp and glitter. And he brings attention to himself. He has horses. He has chariots. He has a parade that goes before him. Fifty soldiers running before him. And Absalom, he would get up early in the morning. He would go to the city gate to hear the complaints or the lawsuit type complaints that a neighbor had against a neighbor. Absalom, he is being that baby-kissing, loving politician. And he would tell each complainer, those that came to him, we need someone to voice justice for you. And if I were deputy, I would do a good job. And it says in verse 6 that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. 
Absalom is now more popular than King David. And we see the people of Israel abandon their greatest king ever in their history. And it's done so because Absalom is cunning and he's David's own son. Let's read verses 7 through 12. Now it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while he dwelt in Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent Ahithophel to uh, the Gilolite, our night, David's counselor from the city from Giloa, while he offered sacrifice, and the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continued, continually increased in number. After 40 years, this is probably talking about how old Absalom was when he began his conspiracy. Absalom, he wants to go to Hebron under the pretense of worship. Absalom, he's acting religiously, and he appears spiritual. Absalom's pretense is a righteous crusade before the people. Does that remind you of any of the elections locally? In our recent Alabama elections, almost every candidate was a conservative Christian church member. Sunday school teachers, youth pastors. And Absalom, he does not consider himself divisive. The people need him. A divisive person is prideful and they cannot see their own faults or evil schemes. They don't recognize that within them are these evil motives. We're told that pride blinds us and it really does. The last words that Absalom will hear from his father David is, go in peace and serve the Lord. Absalom, he tells his co-conspirators, and the 200 innocent participants, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, shout out, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And this conspiracy by Absalom continues to grow and increase. Absalom... He will now bring in Ahithophel. 
Ahithophel was perhaps David's most honored, trusted counselor. Ahithophel has joined the conspiracy against David. And what we don't read, what we don't have mentioned here, is Ahithophel happened to be Bathsheba's grandfather. And the plot thickens. Ahithophel, renowned for his wise counsel and wisdom, he's like a trophy in the court of Absalom. He gives Absalom that authentic air about him. Ahithophel happens to hold a grudge against David for shaming his granddaughter Bathsheba. And Ahithophel will now counsel Absalom against David and his kingship. And we will develop that in later chapters as we go forward. But what I want to bring to your attention is the 200 participants that are invited to Absalom's procession going to Hebron. 200 people who by their silence are part of Absalom's conspiracy against David. Today, we hear interviews of people that have participated in riots and looting and burning and all that. And they say, oh, I just got caught up into the chaos, not knowing why the people were uh, looting and vandalized. I just simply joined in. They were people who didn't want to miss out on the action. And if you find yourself not wanting to miss out on the action, you can find yourselves where you do not belong. Those are severe examples. Let me get a little closer to home where we perhaps are tempted to be silent when we should voice objection. Have you ever had a gossiper begin to lower their voice and tell you almost in a whisper some juicy information about somebody else? I tell you, if you do not stop that person, if you remain silent, you become part of their gossip. I have told a family member of mine, stop. I do not need to hear what you're going to say. It's none of my business. Stop. Don't tell me. And I stop that gossiper because they will interpret my silence as agreement with them. That's what a gossiper does. You don't have to say you agree, just be silent and they interpret that as you standing with them. And when they retell the story, 
they will include you, they will include me as agreeing with them simply because we were silent. Christians, my friends, we're called to be like Jesus. We're called to be like Christ. Therefore, as in our reading, let no corrupt communication come out of our mouth. So when people begin to whisper, lower their voice, or when they begin to say, bless his heart, that's a prelim to they're going to talk bad now. If you say bless his heart, you're then opening up that you can say anything bad about them that you want to. <laughs> you just preface it with bless his heart. Beware. Honestly, beware. Do not chime in. Do not be part of gossip. Words harm. We destroy people's character with our words. And sometimes, if we're not careful, words can kill. It's been interesting to see our president in these talks with uh, the dictator of North Korea, um, how he's changed his tune. Now they're buddies. Now they get along. And it's been interesting. But they called each other a lot of names before this summit meeting they had. But be careful of your words. Don't be part of gossip. God has called us to be light. He's called us to be salt. We're not to be gossipers. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.